morning, as Ryan said, I wanted to address uh, a very practical and relevant topic to us. We've had six guys from our Homiletics 2 class um, deliver over the last six chapels really solid expository messages to us. And so I felt that maybe this would be a chance for me uh, at the end of the semester to just address a practical topic from a biblical perspective. And that is, as Ryan said, the topic of weariness. How many of you are, feel, are feeling weary? Raise your hand. How many of you are feeling weary right now? Okay, quite a number of you are feeling weary. So um, this is important for us. And um, um, we're, we're near the end of a semester. We're near the end of an academic year. And it's been a very unusual semester, a very challenging semester for both students uh, and professor and administrator. And of course, with all that's happening in our world, um, with the virus, um, it's added another layer on top of that. Um, we're trying to finish well, and I know many of you are trying to finish well. I appreciate your hearts. Amidst all that's going on and the changes and not being able to meet in class as you normally do, not being able to meet uh, with your church family. And I think uh, the end result of that is that many of us are weary. And uh, weariness is, is something that we're experiencing right now. In fact, I've heard it fairly frequently, and I've said it myself, I'm weary of the heavy academic load, I'm weary of being in lockdown, I'm weary of being out of my routines, uh, not being able to do the things that I love, I'm weary of not having uh, the ability to have guests visit on campus, I'm weary of not being able to go to church on Sunday, I'm weary of uh, my work, I'm weary of putting up with people who irritate me. Some of you can relate to that, right? I'm weary of my own repeated struggle with sin and self. Uh, I'm weary from not making the kind of progress I want to make on goals and aspirations. I'm weary from all the pain and brokenness in the world. That's something that I've been feeling lately as I see people losing their jobs and their livelihoods because of uh, the economic uh, shutdown that has occurred because of the virus. Um, I'm weary from watching people that I love wound themselves um, and walk away from God. Some of you can relate to that one. So weariness, weariness is a common malady that we all experience, and it's probably more common than we want to admit. So today, and this is brand new, I, I've never done a Bible study or a message on this. It just has been something on my mind, and I've been reading some scriptures. Last uh, Wednesday, I, I was uh, sharing some verses with our RAs that related to weariness, and I said, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to speak on in chapel. And so I'd like to give you six particular points related to weariness that will help us have a biblical perspective on it, okay? Six points, six perspectives that we need to have or um, encouragements maybe is a better word. Number one, number one, let's remember that Jesus got weary. I know, I know you all know that. I know that that's a theological fact that isn't often um, forgotten, but it might encourage us to remember that the Lord Jesus being fully divine was also fully human. He had two natures in one person, and thus he experienced fatigue in the ways that we have. We also experience fatigue. His body got tired. He wasn't immune from the limitations of a physical body, and that is what makes his incarnation even more special. I was thinking about that passage in John 4 where Jesus meets the woman at the well in Samaria. And it says, Jesus, being wearied from his journey, sat by a well. It was about the sixth hour. Wearied from his journey. He got wearied. A lot of walking. He was tired. 
physical exhaustion. Do you know that uh, Jesus pulled some all-nighters? Uh, maybe some of you didn't know that. His reasons likely differed than yours and mine. Uh, we see in Luke chapter 6 that he spent the entire night in prayer. This was just before the choosing of his disciples. So he went and spent an entire night up on a mountain in prayer and lost sleep. And undoubtedly, that loss of sleep had an impact on him physically because anytime you lose a night of sleep, uh, it will impact you. And it, and, and it will impact you in greater ways the older you are and uh, the more fragile you are physically. Um, and then a couple chapters later in Luke chapter 8, we, we remember that story of Jesus um, after a very busy, intense period of ministry, preaching, teaching, healing. It says that he said, let's go over to the other side of a lake on a boat. So they launched out on one of their fishing vessels. And it says, as he was sailing along, he fell asleep. Now, how many of you have ever fell asleep on a boat? I have. There's something about the waves lapping on the side of the boat and just kind of the gentle motion. And if you're tired, it'll just it'll put you to sleep. And, and of course, in a short period of time, as sometimes happens there in the Sea of Galilee, below um, very low elevation, below sea level, these winds came and there was a storm. And it said they had to wake Jesus up. That's how tired he was. They had to wake him up when there was a massive storm going around. So it's helpful to remind ourselves sometimes that Jesus was tired. Weariness um, can have several dimensions in our life. It can have a physical dimension, it can have an emotional dimension, and it can have a relational dimension. And Jesus experienced every single kind of weariness in that regard. You, right, you might remember an incident um, in Luke chapter 9 where a father brings his demon-possessed son to the disciples and beg them to cast out the demon, and they were unable. And uh, then he brings his son to Jesus, and Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? It seems like a harsh response, but there was just a weariness at the unbelief and the hardness of heart and the lack of faith. And, and if I could use the word denseness of, of some of his followers at the time. And so we, we, can, we can relate to that. And I think it should encourage us that Jesus experienced weariness. Um, um, there, there was the weariness, not only physical weariness, but also emotional weariness. You might find it strange, but um, I have a fascination with cemeteries. And it's not because I have a fascination with death, per se, but I really like wandering around in cemeteries with gravestones and reading what's on those gravestones. My kids think I'm, I'm weird. But I've collected over the years a number of them, some of them just from the Internet, but I've collected a number of epitaphs. You know what an epitaph is? Kind of a a tribute or memorial that's engraved to a tomb, you know, on the tombstone, and I collected a whole list of them. Some of them are quite creative, and some of them are humorous, and some of them are very serious. But um, I, 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 I wanted to share a couple with you, uh, a husband and a wife, uh, various epitaph on their, on their gravestone. And here's one anonymous one, speaking of a woman who died. She lived with her husband for 50 years and died in the confident hope of a better life. It's kind of a double meaning there, isn't there? She lived for 50 years with her husband for 50 years and died in the confident hope of a better life. And then another from a husband, obviously. Here lies my wife. Here let her lie. She now has peace. And so do I. So, you know, we, we understand that, that relational um, weariness. Sometimes just being around other people and their idiosyncrasies kind of rubbing against you in ways that are wearisome to you. And I think Jesus' humanness should encourage us. He got tired, he got wept, he felt sadness, 
he got exasperated at times with people, not in a sinful way, of course, but in a human way. And we can relate to that. We too are human. We are frail. Uh, we are but dust, as the psalmist says in Psalm 103. But God is mindful of that. And he knows our frame. And the fact that Jesus experienced all that we experience as human beings, apart from sin, should encourage us. It should encourage us that he can be a sympathetic high priest, that he can relate to our weariness. When we say, Lord, I'm tired. He, uh, we understand that the Lord Jesus himself experienced that. So, number one, remember that Jesus got weary, okay? Very basic point. Number two, use your weariness to do a stewardship checkup. Use your weariness to do a stewardship checkup. When we are weary and fatigued and tired, it affords us the opportunity to ask a question. Why? Why am I weary? Why am I fatigued? Why am I tired? If, is it because your workload has been heavy and the demands on your time excessive? Certainly that happens and probably is happening right now. And we can expect that that will result at some point in weariness. Um, we are finite beings, right? We, we have limited resources. We don't possess unlimited strength or vitality. But sometimes, sometimes our weariness is the result, directly or indirectly, of not stewarding well what God has given us to use. Let me say that again. Of not stewarding well what God has given us to use. Now, what is stewardship? You've probably heard this before in, in a class or a sermon. Stewardship means to hold something in trust for someone else. It's the conducting, the supervising, or the responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. And so the idea here is that stewards do not manage or supervise that which belongs to them, but that which belongs to another. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, we, everything we have, everything we have is a gift from God. Uh, whether it's our job, our, our money, our abilities, our personality, our time, they are all gifts from our Creator. And in reality, they are on loan to us. Um, God owns everything. We know that from Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. The Lord is the owner of everything. That includes everything we have, everything we claim as our own. And God distributes it to us in his great wisdom and goodness. And that's where the concept of stewardship begins. And for us as believers, it means that all we possess and all, we're really, we, all we possess is really something we're holding in trust for God. And I want you to think about that. We're holding something in trust for God. He's entrusted things to us. Well, what, what is he entrusted to us? Well, simply, I can think of four things. Time, talent, treasure, and our physical bodies. And there are probably a few others if, if you were to put your mind to it. Time, talent, treasure, and our physical bodies. And it's the last one I want to touch on just for a moment. If we're going to steward our bodies well, for God's glory, we, we need to do some things. We need to eat well. We need to get enough exercise. We need to get enough sleep, right? Um, it was about two years ago that um, I was having some medical issues that were kind of alarming to me. And my blood pressure was way higher than it really should have been at my age. I was having insomnia. Um, I was heavier than I should be. My joints were achy. Um, I was getting frequent headaches. And finally, after I had an incident with a very serious blood clot in my eye, I came to this realization that I was not stewarding the body that God had given me very well. 
And Nancy and I, at that point, kind of began a journey of pursuing health. You know, so many people want to focus on the specific tasks that you need to do to get healthier, but we just kind of said, we're going to start pursuing health as just an ideal. And uh, I, I realized that God had given me one body, and if I wanted to use it well for his purposes until my final day on earth, that I was going to need to make some changes. I was going to need to steward what he had given me better. And we began to do that. And by God's grace, we just started eating better, exercising regularly, getting adequate sleep and rest. There was no super diet going on, no special plan. Um, I just want to tell you, it has made a huge difference uh, in my life, in Nancy's life. And of course, we're still working on it. Uh, we still got areas we need to improve upon. And I'm on that journey with you. But I, wanna, I want you to think about that for a moment. When you are weary in body or in mind, um, ask the question, why am I weary? And then ask the second question, is it because of a stewardship issue in my life? Um, most of you listening today are, are younger than me, and so you're able to rebound and recover far easier. You have more energy, but it won't always be that way. Um, you are sowing seeds for the future, and so I want to encourage you to uh, develop patterns and choices now that will relate to good stewardship of your bodies. And so what I want to I want you to see is that sometimes the weariness and fatigue that we have comes down to a stewardship choice that we're making. So let me just give you a very practical example of that. And this is one that I can relate to well when I was in college and seminary. Okay. When we put off doing research for a 10 page paper, taking notes, organizing it, writing a draft copy, and then putting together our final copy. And we try to do that within a 48-hour period with about four hours of sleep. That is a stewardship issue, right? That's a stewardship issue. And so there are times that my weariness is really kind of an alarm clock to let me know that I need to better care for what God has entrusted to me. I need to use my time better not abuse my body unnecessarily. Um, yes, there will be times you have to push hard and stay up later than you want to stay up, and we will get weary at times. But if it's, a, if it's an ongoing stewardship issue, that, that's something for us to look into. And so weariness isn't always a telltale sign of, of mismanagement in our lives. It's not a sin. But there is a difference between the kind of weariness which comes with a satisfaction from the fact that you planned well, worked hard, put your best, best effort forth for God's glory, and the kind of regret that you would have over practically killing yourself to get an assignment done that you should have started a long time ago, right? There's a difference in that. And so for those of you listening today, when you pull a couple of all-nighters in a week, what satisfaction of working diligently and then needing rest is, is usually replaced by regret? Why did I do that? Why didn't I use my time better? Why did I play before I worked? Um, we, we sometimes make poor stewardship choices, right? So if you're feeling that kind of regret, it's a chance to do a stewardship check. Jesus was weary, but he said this in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer. He says, I glorified you on earth, speaking to the Father, having accomplished the work that you had given me to do. We glorify God when we accomplish the work which he has given us to do. And we accomplish the work which he has given us to do when we are good stewards of what he has given us. Time, talent, treasure, our bodies. And so let's remember, number one, Jesus was weary. That should encourage us. And number two, weariness gives us an opportunity to do a stewardship checkup. Here's number three. Use your weariness to do a spiritual checkup. Okay? 
a spiritual checkup. This is a little different than a stewardship checkup, although there's overlap here. But here's a question I just want to pose to you. Do you believe that the Christian life depends upon you or Christ in you? Do you believe that the Christian life depends upon you or Christ in you? Maybe you feel that that's a trick question, but I'm getting at something here. And I tend to hear sometimes teaching which centers uh, primarily on what you need to do to be godly, what you need to do to be holy, what you need to do to set your life aright apart from the world. And we should not dismiss these teachings in God's word. But what is often missing is the other side of that equation, is that God has promised, because of our union with Jesus Christ, to work out and live, to work out his will and his purposes in our life. And it is Christ's life being lived out through us. It's not necessarily about us producing spirituality by our own sanctified self-effort, but allowing the life of Christ to manifest in and through us. There's a difference in that. And yes, both of them require some concentration and some effort on our part, but oftentimes we, we think it all depends upon us. And even in our spiritual walk, we think, man, I'm just failing so miserably. I'm just failing at all those those things I should be doing, I'm not doing them, I'm not obeying, I'm not, I'm not serving as I should be. And, and all of a sudden, the weight, the weightiness of all that just begins to, 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 to weigh heavily upon our shoulders. Listen to this quote from an anonymous author. Christ invites us to live with him instead of just for him. If the priority is relationship, it will define the works. If the priority is the works, those will define the relationship. Let me just say that again. Christ invites us to live with him instead of just for him. If the priority is relationship, it will define the works. If the priority is works, those will define the relationship. And I think there's some wisdom to be gleaned in that quote. And while the instructions and directives of the scriptures are there for our good, we must not be confused that somehow we are the progenitors of spiritual life and fruit in ourselves. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, you just have to go to John 15, one of my favorite texts, maybe one of yours as well. John 15, right? Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And then he goes on to say this, abide in me, which probably is best translated, remain in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus is talking about the vital spiritual union that we have with him. And that when we are connected in union with him, we receive the spiritual life that comes through him as the vine. And then we produce fruit from that. And we have that vital connection. We are alive. We are producing fruit. I think sometimes we think it's about us. It's about our ability to kind of produce all of what the Bible says we should be doing. And so spiritual life and spiritual fruit come from being connected in relationship with the vine, Jesus. We should know what the fruit looks like. And so the imperatives of Scripture give us a clear description of what that fruit looks like. But it comes by a vital connectivity to the source of all life, and that's Jesus. Don't forget that. Because I, I think 
And this is just my musings here, but I think sometimes our weariness comes from some self-imposed weight that we put upon ourselves that I have to produce this godliness in and of myself somehow. I, I've got to, to just be a more holy person and I need to pull myself up on my bootstraps and just pursue holiness with all the vigor that I've got. And I think what happens is we end up missing the other part of the equation and in doing so we have created a kind of spirituality that lends itself toward a legalism. In fact, I think it was that kind of spirituality that Jesus was addressing in Matthew chapter 11 when uh, he, there were people there and who were who had sat under the teachings of people who were religious scholars. They knew the scriptures, but they were placing immense burdens on the shoulders of the people to keep the law, keep the law, keep the law, and then all these extra things added onto the law. And Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now listen, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have we taken that to heart? Have we taken that to heart? Um, you could just sense Jesus was inviting people who were feeling this weight, this heaviness, to come to him. And it shows our complete inability to keep the law. And Paul tells us that, right? That the purpose of the law was to be a tutor to lead us to the foot of Jesus. It was to lead us to Christ, to help us see that we couldn't do it. We couldn't keep the law. And so he says, come to me, learn of me, take my yoke upon you. You know, a yoke was something that was used of two animals to pull um, a plow or some other uh, vehicle of some kind, right? Um, but the yoke that Jesus offers is a, is a light yoke. It's an easy yoke. It's not the yoke of duty-driven spirituality. He is gentle. He is humble. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. If you come to him. And I think you're going to find that relational component of spirituality to be absolutely critical in your time here at NBC. Um, maybe you are weary from trying to live the Christian life in your own effort and feeling the constant weight of your own failures and all of the demands of true spirituality that you're falling short of. And, you know, certainly the Holy Spirit at times brings conviction to our hearts, and we should heed um, the Spirit's work in our lives in that way. But sometimes that weightiness plunges us into despair, and you're constantly reminded of, of how you fail. And, and that can bring just this weariness to your soul. I'm just a big failure. Uh, I, I can't do this. And um, I want to encourage you that true Christian living, from my vantage point, I believe this to be true, is his life, Christ's life, being lived out through us, not our efforts to live it out for him. Okay, It's very possible that some of our weariness is the weariness of being put under a burden that God never intended his children to be put under. The yoke of duty and strict discipline divorced from relationship. And um, so that's the, the third thing I want you to see. Okay, Here's number four. See weariness as a grace-disguised opportunity to rely more on the Lord. See weariness as a grace-disguised opportunity to rely more on the Lord. Our physical and emotional weariness points to the fact, as I said earlier, that we are finite beings. We do not have all of the resources within ourselves. In fact, we have very little resource within ourselves. And despite our best effort to convince ourselves, as I see sometimes broadcast on the Internet, that we are enough, 
we are enough. Um, the sad reality is we are not enough. Our strength, our energy, our vitality, our ability to endure are greatly limited. And yet in some ways, just think about this for a moment, that is a gift. That is a gift. It causes us to depend upon the one who made us and loves us more than any being in the universe. I'm not a, a big movie aficionado, but I do have a favorite movie. It, it's probably one that you have not seen. Maybe some of you have. It was produced back in 1981. And it's the story of two men, two runners. And at the time that I saw this movie, I was a runner as well. I was running cross country and track. And so I was really into running and thus it resonated with me. Two runners from the United Kingdom, Harold Abrams, who was running to assert his own value and worth by achieving greatness uh, through his athletic endeavors, even though he was a Jew and his, his ethnicity was a great hindrance in, in his ability to gain the recognition that he thought he deserved. The other character was totally the opposite. And, and the, the story of, of this movie called Chariots of Fire is, is the story of these two contrasting lives. Uh, this man from Scotland, Eric Little, maybe you've heard of him. He was the son of missionaries to China. And he believed that his ability to run fast um, was a gift from God. And that when he ran, he was able to give God glory. And one of the great lines from the film is when his sister Jenny is concerned about all of his running and his preparation possibly for the Olympic Games and and she's kind of berating him and kind of trying to convict him of, of his, his lack of focus, his lack of priorities and he responds in the film and I believe that these words are actually attributed attributable to Eric Little. He says, Jenny, God made me fast. Or excuse me, Jenny, God made me for a purpose, for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's one of the best lines in the movie. I think it's worth seeing it just for that line. And then in the film, there are these clips of athletes doing, uh, you know, I think it's the steeplechase. They're, they're in a pouring rain, stumbling, falling down and showing weariness and fatigue and, and just the inability to continue on. And as they were showing these scenes, the uh, directors of the film and the editors were interposing them with a talk that Eric Little was giving, which he would often do after he ran. He would give a devotional thought or a testimony. And so they're interspersing the scenes of all these runners running and stumbling and falling and tripping with him reading from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. I want to read that for you. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Uh, what an incredible passage that is, isn't it? And just notice how many times it talks about weariness there, right? Remember that God doesn't become weary. Uh, he, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's not limited in the ways that we are. And he gives strength to us who are weary. And when we stumble and we fall and we're tired and we're under that weight and we're feeling that pressure, we can rely upon the Lord to give us new strength, a strength that's not in ourselves. It's not in our abilities. It's not in our resources, 
It's a strength that he gives outside of us when we go to him. You got to see the movie, okay? Because I think you'll be uh, impressed with that. Um, we gain new strength from the Lord. And so, you know, it's a good reminder to us that we're not forced to draw upon our own resources, which are limited and finite, but to pray and to look to the Lord to give us what we desperately need. Almost every single time before I speak, no matter what the setting, whether it's a Bible study or a, a Sunday morning sermon, I say this, Lord, I need your strength. I need you to empower me to do this because I cannot do this on my own. I just realize my own inability to speak in any way that would have an impact on others apart from him. You know, Paul understood this when he said in 2 Corinthians 12, when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul understood the, the kind of the irony of that. See, in our weakness, we can be made strong through the strength that comes outside of ourselves from the Lord. And then in a, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, he talks about this weakness. He says, we're afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus. He understood, you know, the, the weakness of his flesh physically and spiritually so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. And that goes back to the previous point is the life of Christ being manifested through us. Because if we're relying upon our own strength and our own abilities, then we will be weary very quickly. And so then Paul says this in that same passage in 2 Corinthians 4, therefore, we do not lose heart. So our outer man is decaying. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. And that's really the reality is that physically we're kind of on this long, slow slope downward. You know, um, you are in your late teens, early 20s, mid 20s. Some of you in your later 20s. Some of you even beyond that. Um, and and you, you're, 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 you're stronger uh, than I am. And you have more strength and you have more endurance and you have the ability to rebound faster than I do. But you know what? Even though the outer man's decaying, the inner person is being renewed. That's where the strength comes from. So just by way of reminder, just by way of re review, number one, remember that Jesus was weary. That should encourage us, just that one fact. Number two, use your weariness to do a spiritual, excuse me, a stewardship checkup. Is it a stewardship issue? Number three, use your weariness to do a spiritual checkup. Okay? Stewardship checkup and then a spiritual checkup. Are you depending upon your own ability to live the Christian life. And here, and then number four, see weariness as a grace-disguised opportunity to rely more on the Lord. Now, here's number five. got two more. Here's number five. Remember that we won't always be weary, okay? So if you're weary of weariness, <laughs> you can remember that it causes us, it produces a longing in us for the day when we will not be weary, when our our faith will be made sight, as the hymn writer said. When in the presence of the Lord Jesus himself, all will be made right, and the glory of his presence and his goodness will shine before us for all eternity. I look forward to that day. I really do. And so our weariness now should kind of create in our souls a longing for the day where every tear will be wiped from our eyes and there will be no longer any death or mourning or crying or pain says in Revelation 21. You know, um, a few weeks ago, about six weeks ago, five, six weeks ago, our Coraliers, our choral team was up in the Shields Valley doing um, some concerts at local churches as a ministry. Um, and um, one of the songs they sang, and they also, they also sang this last semester at Dry, Dry Creek Bible Church, um, and it just struck me. It's, it's one of my favorite new songs now, but it's 
isn't he worthy? Uh, some of you remember that, right? And this was right before everything just started to unload with the coronavirus, uh, just right at the cusp of that. And the words of that song are just so meaningful, coming straight from Revelation. Um, but it asks some questions. Do you feel the world is broken? And then there's a response. It's kind of antiphonal. We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that we could see it all made new? We do. And then it asks another set of questions. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. And then the chorus, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone, to break, is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? And then the response, he is. Man, that song just hit me like a ton of bricks because as we're looking around our world today, we're seeing a lot of brokenness. We're seeing a lot of pain. We're seeing that, that sense that there's got to be something else. And it, it creates for us a longing for the future. You know, the Puritans used to have this idea there's this day and there's that day. There's the day that we're living in right now, but, it, but we're always looking ahead to a future day, eschatologically, into the future. And so that day should inform this day. The future should inform us and infuse us with hope in the present circumstances that we're in. And I just want to encourage you, we will not always be weary. Things will be made right. The Lord will be in our midst. And there'll be no more crying and no more pain and no more weariness. Life is hard sometimes. The world is broken. We are tired. We're weary. Yes, we fall. We stumble. Sometimes we fail to honor the Lord and steward what he's given us, as I alluded to earlier. But there is a day coming when all will be made new and all will be made right. And our struggle against sin and self will be ended. Our eschatology is important for the Christian. Not necessarily and not only to try to get all of our timelines perfectly correct, our eschatology is important because it gives us hope. It assures us that God wins and that Christ's victory over sin, death, and hell is secure and one day will be fully realized and that we will be his people and he will be his God. He will be our God eternally. So that should encourage us, okay? I want to give you one last one, all right, just to conclude the message. Here's the last one. Be energized in doing good. So as we face weariness in our life, be energized in doing good. And these are the two verses I shared with our RA team last Wednesday. 2 Thessalonians 3.13, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. Of course, the believers in Thessalonica were facing imminent persecution and pressure um, and fear and, and apprehension. And, and Paul encourages them, don't grow weary in doing good. And then he says the same thing to the Galatians. He says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. You see, Paul, again, is, is infusing us with that perspective. It, it, there's a future day, a day of reward for faithfulness in, in our life for Christ. And so don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. You know, we have limited opportunity on earth. 
limited opportunity. I, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know how many days God has appointed for me on this earth. And so I want to use and steward every single day in the best possible way. Um, and, and that should be our perspective. I want to use it for his glory, for his good. I, I don't want to have regrets of what I didn't do in life for Christ. I want to make sure that I utilize everything he's given me, time, talent, treasure, the physical strength in my body, for all the good works that he has prepared beforehand. Remember that, right? Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand. You see, having a ministry mindset and a service perspective is what helps us to not wallow in our weariness and our weakness and our despair. We can actually be part of what God is doing in this world. We can be part of seeing his purposes fulfilled. And that's exciting, and that should energize us, I believe. I believe that this virus pandemic has really given us, the church, a massive, massive opportunity to shine like never before. And I think we must be very careful not to just focus on caring for ourselves, but it is a time to show care for our world, to show the love of Christ in word and deed. I've said this to many people. I think this could be our finest hour. I wonder if we as the body of Christ, and then we think about church, if it's, it's all about, you know, we just can't wait to get back to church. And I, I miss church as well. I miss fellowshipping with other believers and hearing God's word preached in my presence and partaking of, of the elements of, of the Lord's table together with others. But you know what? We should be seeing this as an opportunity to serve and to show love to a world that's really needy right now. This could be our finest hour. Are, are you doing that? I hope so. This is an opportunity to do that. Um, there's nothing more energizing in a time of weariness than serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, appointing people through mercy ministries and compassion to the hope of the gospel. And so I want you to read some time after you're done with the semester, the summer, read through the book of Titus in one reading. It's pretty easy to do in about 15 minutes. Because in Titus, Paul talks about good works and good deeds a lot. He basically says, you know, our orthodoxy should result in orthopraxis. What we believe, uh, right belief should re result in right living, right um, behavior. And I really believe that that is very apropos this time where the world is hurting, people are losing their jobs, their lives. This is a chance for us to serve. And that energizes us. You know, I don't know. I, I could be tired, but then when I get involved in serving people, get involved in helping people, get involved in ministering and using gift, my gifting for God's glory and, and meeting needs, I get energized by that. It's amazing how that happens, even when I'm, I'm tired. So I would encourage you to do that. So just by way of review, just a biblical response or a biblical perspective on weariness. Number one, remember that Jesus was weary. Okay. Number two, weariness gives us an opportunity to do a stewardship checkup. So maybe there's a stewardship issue that needs to be addressed. If you're weary because you're just not managing your time and you're not taking care of your body very well, then maybe that is something that you need to kind of adjust the dial on. Number three, weariness gives us an opportunity to do a spiritual checkup. Are you trying to produce fruit? in the Christian life, in your own strength? Is it because you feel this weight, you've got to keep doing, you've got to keep working, you've got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? Then you need to do a spiritual checkup. You need to come back into relationship with the true vine. 
because when his life is being lived through you, then you will manifest the things that glorify him. Number four, weariness is a grace-disguised opportunity to rely more upon the Lord. Think about that Isaiah 40 passage. Number five, we should remember that we won't always be weary. It's this day and that day. And number six, we need to learn to be energized by doing good. Uh, good deeds, okay? Well, thank you so much for the time to just share these things with you. Um, after six great expositional messages, I thought I would just share something uh, more thematic and topical, and I appreciate your time, and I hope in some small way that these things were helpful to you. We're praying for you. We love you. We're rooting for you, all of our staff and faculty. We're on the sidelines cheering you on, and we know that the next week, two, three, will be challenging. But um, uh, don't grow weary in well-doing, and um, consider these things that I've shared today about weariness. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you that your word speaks to every issue in our lives. It is complete. It is sufficient. It is authoritative. And Father, we thank you that even in the practical arena of the weariness of body, soul, and spirit, that you give us perspective that encourages us and helps us. And so, Lord, I just pray that these very practical points and these observations would would be something that would stir in us a desire to rely upon you even more, to remember that even though we stumble, that you will give us new strength. When we wait upon you, we will mount up with wings like eagles. So, Lord, help us to remember these things. Help us to take heart in these things. Help us to be busy in doing what you've called us to do. Maybe we need a spiritual checkup, and maybe we need a stewardship checkup. So, Lord, thank you that Jesus endured weariness. He, he understood it. He experienced it. And we thank you that we have a sympathetic high priest who experienced everything that we experienced. So, Father, be with us now, and I pray for our students. I pray that you would just en endow them with, with energy, uh, with focus, with stick to and persistence and endurance in these final weeks of the semester. Help them to keep their eyes upon you and, uh, and not to stumble, Father, in that process. Guard them, strengthen them, give them to them what they need from you. And help them to see that it is your life being lived out through them, which brings the fruit that glorifies you. In, this, in your name and your son's name we pray. Amen.